This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by two members of the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society who will help us understand a little bit more about this condition during their awareness month of May. There's a lot more to it than just too much iron, and our guests will help with those details. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following. This week on Tuesday, Canadians received our long-promised Passenger Bill of Rights. Or did we? First of all, it's called the Transportation Modernization Act, and while the legislation does include more rights and protections for passengers, along with allowing a little more room for competition, it could also increase the costs of flying in and out of our airports, which in turn, of course, will raise ticket prices. To be fair, there's lots of content about compensation for lost bags or being delayed or canceled or bumped, all of which Canadians have been calling for loudly. Here's where the flight increase could come from. Screeners. Right now, all screening is done by the Canadian Transportation Security Authority, or CATSA, which is all paid for by Parliament. Under the new rules, any extra screening capability at any airport wants to upgrade to will have to be paid for by that airport. In other words, the feds are saying, we're done. This is the most we'll pay for. Any extras are on you to YVR or the rest of Canada's airports. If you want more runways, more terminals, more baggage capacity, and yes, more screeners, then jack up your airport improvement fees and pay for it yourself. And that's where we come in, as that airport improvement fee is just another item on the total cost of our flight. The bill was just tabled and will go through committee study and may yet be improved. Just thought you might not have heard that part of the news story a few days ago. Surprising news from Walmart this week as their online sales numbers came out. While they aren't exactly threatening Amazon quite yet, the chain sure has increased its digital profile. In recent years, Walmart has aggressively tried to improve its online sales, including buying three or four of its competitors. And this week, the numbers indicate they're onto something. Oh, and a year ago, Walmart.com had 10 million items for sale online. This year, there are 50 million items, and that's why sales this year are up 69%. Walmart results rather beat all the estimates, too. On Thursday, General Motors announced they're pulling out of making and selling cars in both India and South Africa by the end of this year. This is actually a strategy GM adopted a while ago to reduce its presence in unprofitable markets and to put more effort into those regions where it's making money. GM will now treat India as an export-only market and will sell its business in South Africa to Isuzu. The areas where GM makes the most money? North America and China. This is all happening as GM winds down operations in Australia and in Europe, too, where some of its business there were sold last year to the French group PSA. If you're thinking, wow, this is a very different General Motors, you're right. The company now is focused exclusively on profit, not world domination, as it was decades ago. Ford this week also announced new cost-saving measures, which, unlike GM, will result in the losses of some 1,400 jobs in North America and Asia. Worldwide, car sales are down. 
A new study this week from Dalhousie University in Halifax suggests quite a few Canadians eat lunch at our desks. 39% of us eat lunch at our desks compared to 37% who eat lunch at home or 24% who have lunch in a cafeteria or some kind of group kitchen. In Atlantic Canada, the number of lunch-at-the-desk types rises to 50%. It's the eat-at-home crowd number that surprises me. 37%? Do you work with anyone who goes home for lunch? I don't. For some, the answer is obviously yes, as the office or business is based at home or nearby. As to what we're eating, the researchers found 72% packed their own lunches, and 24% either bought their lunches to eat outside or ate at restaurants. We're also likely to eat lunch alone, with an average of 68% of us doing just that. Sadly, the folks at Dalhousie see their findings as, quote, a complete disintegration of our meal habits because of the disappearance of the three meals a day structure, close quote. Lunch, they say, is always the first to go, followed by breakfast. Maybe a rethink about nutritional advice is due here, the researchers add, encouraging to us, us rather, to eat good, healthy food, regardless of what time of day it is. We'll be watching for some changes. And Canadian theatre-goers were no doubt pleased to hear on Friday that the new Broadway musical hit Come From Away, set in Newfoundland after 9-11, will kick off a North American tour beginning in Seattle early next year. So you have to think Vancouver won't be far behind. A third production will begin in Toronto with the legendary Royal Alex next February. The show has been nominated for seven Tony Awards and has already won several Critics Awards. The current Broadway production of Come From Away will be extended until next May as well. A great Canadian success story that will now be enjoyed by more of us. And for those who can't get to New York but still love those musicals, don't forget the new traveling production of Phantom of the Opera. Hits the Queenie July 12th to 23rd. Those are some of the consumer stories we're following this week. We'll look at a few more later on, and we'll also have a steel report for your Sunday. Up next, do you have Celtic or Northern European ancestry? Well, even if you don't, you'll want to stay with us to learn why folks with those aspects in their family trees are predisposed to hemochromatosis. Hemo what? Details in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back. It's Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Christopher Firstner and Ray Fines from the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society. May is Hemochromatosis Awareness Month. Christopher and Ray, welcome to CKNW's Vancouver Consumer. Gentlemen, good to have you with us. Thank you. Ray, uh, can I get you to move in on the microphone a little bit? You're a member of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Society, which was founded here in in British Columbia. Yes, we started in British Columbia. A wonderful lady, um, Mary... um, um, Warner, she she um, had a husband who suffered from hemochromatosis okay. and, and a daughter and uh, became passionate about um, getting the word out and uh, created the society. Okay. And, and our, our uh, office works out of Richmond. Okay, so is that the national office? Yes. Uh, the whole yep. Canadian yep. show is yep. run from Richmond, yep. B.C. Yep. Interesting stuff. So May is Hemochromatosis Awareness Month. So, Christopher, you uh, were diagnosed with this condition about four or five years ago uh, in your early 50s at the time? Yes. Okay, so tell us what it is and then what, what your reaction was when you found out you had something you didn't know. Okay. Hemochromatosis is just the opposite of anemia. It's too much iron in your blood. 
And it's too much iron in your body. Your body stores iron, and your body needs iron to to make blood and to do other things. But um, my body cannot get uh, monitor it, so it just keeps going up, 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 up. And once it gets to a certain level, you start um, exhibiting the symptoms of it. it. They're very similar to anemia, and doctors a lot of times think you don't have enough iron in your blood oh. and might even prescribe you iron supplements which makes you even sicker right so it's um it's that way my symptoms were extreme fatigue and depression and it was going on for a few years but as the iron level went up the symptoms became more severe and i was um at a point where i couldn't even function i was so exhausted right. i would wake up maybe brush my teeth and would have to actually sit down for a few minutes to kind of gain my strength again. I wonder, did you think uh, in those times, because you said it was a, a fatigue slash depression series of symptoms that kept repeating and showing themselves to you, did, were you concerned, Christopher, that it was a psychological condition rather than a physical situation? Oh, yes, yes. And I, I knew I was I was ill, but I didn't know what what was causing it. My routine was pretty well the same my diet was the same it was just that it was getting i i was getting more ill more tired right right uh so you went to the doctor and uh, explained the symptoms did he misdiagnose you as being anemic uh, no no okay. not not in this time it was earlier in okay. my life I think I was diagnosed that way because I remember I was put on iron pills probably when I was in my early 40s. So it probably was... Really so, would exacerbate things, It would have it? been, yes, and it wasn't good. But uh, when you go to a doctor and tell them you're exhausted, they just shrug their shoulders because everyone nowadays is exhausted. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's that... Um, it's that follow-up to, to find out exactly what is causing it. And... And it wasn't until the, in January 2013 I hit a point where I couldn't work anymore. I, right. I was that that sick. So, and then the doctors started looking into it. Um, like I said, they um, they thought I might have had um, MS, so okay. they tested for MS, and they um, just happened by chance. The psychiatrist I went to see read the book from the Hemochromatosis Society oh. that the founder wrote. And he just kind of threw a dart in the dark to, to do a ferritin check. And that test, the MS check came back negative. Right. I did not have MS. Right. But I did. My blood iron levels were off the charts. Off the charts. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so all of a sudden, the, re the light bulb goes on. The light bulb went on and then they uh, they – they actually had to learn about it just like I did. We were all the three, the two doctors and myself were were kind of trying to figure out what to do next to make this. Uh, um, they, they sent me for a DNA test to prove that I had it, mm -hmm. and um, once I once that came back, they they the the way to to get better is to give blood. So they just sent me to get, give blood, 
but it wasn't enough, and we can okay, talk well, about that. Well, uh, now, Ray, I, I wanted to, I, I'm quoting myself here. Uh, I, I, do you have Celtic or Northern European ancestry? Even if you don't, you'll want to stay with us to find out with why folks with those aspects in their family trees are predisposed to hemochromatosis. With that delightful Northern <laughs> Ireland accent, you clearly are of that background. Precisely. So is that, what is the predisposition? Is it simply in your DNA, Ray, that you are likely to be a person to contract hemochromatosis? They, they figured that uh, thousands of years ago uh, there was one Celt who uh, developed this, uh, this condition. So uh, the one thing that uh, hemochromatosis um, uh, patients have in common is we have a common ancestor, mm-hmm. probably uh, 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 years ago. Um, it's, it, it's called the Celtic curse, but it's uh, Celtic in, in the sense of the uh, original Celtic peoples, the, the tribes who came from from Eastern Europe, uh, mm-hmm. worked away across Europe. So, um, uh, anyone who's Irish or anyone who's Scottish uh, is, has got a higher predisposition than normal. But um, in, in fact, uh, we should sort of widen the the uh, definition of Celt. So, if, basically, if you're Northern. European, right. Viking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- there are cases in France, cases in Spain. Uh, the Spaniards who emigrated to uh, the New World, they, they brought the gene with them. And mm. the, the uh, Europeans who came to North America brought the gene with them as well. Interesting stuff. So now, is it more prevalent in males than females, or is it equally distrib- distributed between the sexes? It's equally distributed between the sexes, but... Um, as uh, Christopher said, the treatment basically is to uh, give blood. Uh, that's the way to get rid of the iron that's stored in the body by uh, getting rid of, of blood. And um, in men, usually the um, the, the buildup uh, starts to um, affect them um, with signs and symptoms in, in their 40s. But in, in women, because they lose blood during the reproductive years, the onset in women probably uh, w- would not show up until after the menopause. Interesting. So this is this is an, a definitely an adult condition. It yep, doesn't. Yep. We don't uh, see uh, children uh, diagnosed as with hemochromatosis nope, very nope. often at all. It, it, it is, as I said, it takes um, decades. Uh, the, the normal uh, amount of iron in the body is is maybe uh, four millig- or four grams, something like that. But uh, it takes around about twenty grams in, to be stored in the body for for uh, signs and symptoms. Um, in my case, uh, what tipped my physician off when I was having my annual checkup was uh, little skin skin patches of of uh, brown pigment. And uh, he ordered my um, uh, blood test. It's a test called serum ferritin, and that came back um, just right off the right off the uh, the map, mm-hmm. uh, right off the scale. Um, so the, the, what what tipped him off in in, in uh, my case was the, the skin discoloration, um, but there are many um, other things which, uh, in retrospect, I realized that I also went through a, a period where I was extremely tired. Um, I also had um, um, pains in my finger joints and my knee joint, and th- these are classic, um, but e- even probably more um, um, disturbing was the fact that I overlooked my uh, grandfather died in his 40s from, from uh, diabetes. Um, his brother also died in his 40s, and he was incredibly uh, uh, skin-colored. Um, and um, 
so obviously there was a family history which uh, I, I kicked myself. I didn't um, clue into it earlier. Well, it's interesting because you have a medical degree. I know you're, you didn't never practice yeah. medicine, but you were a clinical researcher for pharmaceutical companies for your entire professional career. You're yeah. retired now, but you spent a lot of time working for big pharma in Asia. And, and so you knew what hemochromatosis was yeah. long before you were diagnosed. Yeah. Now, when, when Christopher was introduced a few minutes ago to one of my colleagues from Rock 101 down the hall, uh, he said, what are you here for? And he said, well, I'm a guest on the show. And, and why? Well, I have hemochromatosis. And Craig said, what's that? And I think that's a pretty fair reaction, Chris, because you were very kind and you explained exactly what is this too much iron in your blood. Oh, he says. So what do you do for that? And I mean, that's how the conversation begins. Smart people ask questions. And Craig's a smart guy. He just didn't know what, what you were talking about. Do most people not know what hemochromatosis is? Exactly. I tell people all the time, and they it's it's a very big word, and um, it's it's a simple thing though. It's too much iron, and um, no, I've never heard about it before. And talking about family history, my my mother passed away in two thousand and one, but I know she suffered from it because well, a she she carried the gene that she gave to me, mm-hmm. but she had. She could never wake up in the morning, and she always had she had joint pain, and she had many many of the condition that I knew it was. But unfortunately, I didn't know about it until you know, twenty thirteen. So it was twelve years later. Right. And um, sounds like so by a, des- a description of those symptoms that you both uh, identified, it sounds like misdiagnosis is certainly a possibility. Ray, you with a medical background, it sounds like a lot of the symptoms that people who complain uh, uh, and who suffer from fibromyalgia would indicate the the fatigue, the the painful joints, the the just the 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 whole feeling completely left behind the human race because you just can't catch up. Mm. Reminds yes. me of the the um, there's a story about the blind person of blind people feeling an elephant and you know depending on where you feel it it may may appear to be a wall or or it could be a rope or it could be a tree trunk just depending on what part of the elephant and I think uh, hemochromatosis is um, a little bit like that it um, it can appear like other other diseases sure yeah and um, the other issue is that um, you know everybody has a joint pain from time to time everyone feels tired from time to time mm-hmm. so you, you, you basically uh, um, they're, they're kind of very vague sort of uh, symptoms and uh, the stuff that we can shrug yeah. off oh yeah. I'm just yeah. having a bad yeah. day yeah. But when you get oh a hundred of them in a row, Christopher, suddenly there's something wrong, and it's time to get this checked out because it's not. It's just it's 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 now it becomes a quality of life issue. Yes. Uh, the the um, thing I forgot to mention in, in my own family history is that I had an uncle who um, passed away with um, liver cancer, and that is probably the the most serious consequence of the iron buildup. Uh, iron buildup. That's what I was, that was what I was going to ask. Yeah. Two, the, two, it's a two-parter, actually. What if if it's not treated, and if it, it, what uh, what is the outcome of untreated hemochromatosis? And it once identified, is it curable? Is it manageable? How does how does that work? So, Chris, why don't you help us with the uh, the first part? What happens to your body if you have hemochromatosis and it's undiagnosed? And uh, what happens eventually? So after I was diagnosed, the doctor sent me to just give blood, and I wasn't getting any, really seeing any difference. And through my own research, I found the Hemochromatosis Society. Okay. And when I contacted them, 
um, the the director at the time, Bob Rogers, said to me, "You need to get in to see a specialist." So they sent me. He he. I worked with my doctor and the society, and they got me into a to see a specialist. The specialist, uh, great doctor in Vancouver here, uh, Doctor Herb. He ran all these tests on me to check my liver, to check my fu- all my functions, and then when he had my consult. He came into the room, and the first thing he said to me is, you have five years to live. Oh, my. And that just changed the game for me. Everything changed. And he said, unless you de-iron, unless you get your iron lower, because if I didn't left it untreated— It would be terminal. It would start going into my internal organs, and my organs would start shutting down, like— diabetes like uh, liver cancer like and, and ray cancer i think you use the expression situations. rusting on the, on the inside because it's the iron thing yeah. so the rusting actually in a in a, a strange way is is pretty uh, bang on a descriptor verb isn't it yes it is indeed yeah so that's what happens if it goes undiagnosed eventually it shuts you it shuts you down and it kills you yep so what happens? Um, how, how do we combat it? Aside from giving blood, which we now know if works. I, if I could just add one point. The, the disease, when it was first described, it, it was uh, thought, thought to be uh, a form of diabetes. Uh, it was um, uh, people with diabetes who had this funny bronze-colored skin. Um, so um, the, the uh, pancreas uh, gets loaded up with uh, iron. So that, that can lead to uh, diabetes. Um, oh. Iron can get into the heart. Uh, can lead to heart failure, can mm. give you uh, heart uh, rhythm disturbances. Um, so it, it basically depends what part of the body uh, want, wants to uh, uh, complain first. And I'll have to leave the descriptive, uh, the part about how to, how to get it fixed or managed or controlled. Uh, but first, we need to take a break from the, for the news. Our guests in studio, Christopher Firstner and Ray Fines from the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society. And we're back with more after the news. Smack in the middle of the Victoria Day weekend. Sterling Fox with you, 1135. Joined in studio by Christopher Firstner, who is, uh, by the way, the IT director for the British Columbia Government Employees Union and a supporter and donor of the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society. Also with me in studio is Ray Fines, who is a retired medical and pharmaceutical researcher and a member of the board of directors for the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society. May is Hemochromatosis Awareness Month. And I must admit, gentlemen, I'm getting pretty comfortable with saying hemochromatosis. And a couple of weeks ago, it was a complete foreign word to me. This, I'm sure, is something that you encounter all the time, as, as my friend Craig, who met you just a while ago. What's that? People don't know. What is the prevalence of hemochromatosis in Canadian society? How many people or what percentage of Canadians, Ray, are likely to have this condition? In the Canadian society as a whole, it would probably be one in 300. Okay. But uh, as we mentioned, uh, the the um, prevalence in, in people who are Irish or Scottish, uh, probably there it's maybe one in a hundred. Ah, okay. Yeah. So again, depending on your your lineage, yep. uh, your uh, your it's it's simply a question of risk yep. at that point. If you're of that heritage, yep. your uh, your element of risk is simply elevated. You're more likely, not guaranteed. There are no automatics, or are there, Ray? Um, it, it, it's a, a case of uh, um, carrying a, the, a defective gene, uh, which you would get either from mother or father. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have got a, a good gene um, from the other uh, mother or father, you are, are, are okay. It's when the, um, the carrier 
marries the carrier and there's a one in four chance that uh, they will have a child that doesn't have a, 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 a normal gene but in, in, instead has got two defective genes. Ah. So that, that is uh, the, the person who is at risk of uh, developing hemochromatosis. And of course, hemochromatosis, as we've learned, friends, is too much iron in your, your body. And uh, appropriately, that's their website. The Canadian Hemochromatosis Society can be found online at too much iron. .ca. That's, that's just smart. I mean, it's very clever. Uh, Christopher, when you uh, were first diagnosed with this, uh, you said uh, you learned uh, immediately went online, as we all now do, and you uh, googled hemochromatosis. What the heck have I got? And you found out about the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society and connected with them very early in the game for you. Yes, I did. The I'm a avid reader so i went to the library first okay everybody should go to the library first and i read all the books on it and then i found the society and contacted them and and they put me on the course of recovery what i needed to do to to get into a a healthy state okay and that's where we left the conversation just before we had to break for the news Uh, once uh ray you were uh, elaborating on on the symptoms and what can happen to anyone who has hemochromatosis uh, who does not deal with the condition it can kill you and it will cause you you use the expression rusting on the inside well that's the effect of too much iron on anyone's body so christopher when you first learned about this you connected with the society they connected you to a specialist that is well known to them and that's the person who began your recovery uh, or, or your maintenance program because it isn't curable in the sense that well you do this and do this and it goes away is it no, it, it's something I'll have for the rest of my life. And anytime you're diagnosed with anything, you, you have to kind of make that that realization that you need to, to take steps to preserve your life and to make yourself healthy for the rest of your life. So I found that um, originally I had to give blood. Okay. But I, didn't, I couldn't give blood through the Canadian blood services because of I had to give blood every week until my l- – iron levels were lower oh so i actually had to give blood for 22 weeks straight under doctor and hospital supervision i would go into the hospital and have my blood drawn and then i would go home and so once a week i would do this would you give approximately the amount you would at a regular blood donor clinic yes okay yes so but 22 weeks your numbers were so so skywards, it took 22 weeks of, a, of a, a, a donation a week just to come back to normal. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And when you give blood, you get a bit more tired. So you're already exhausted. Right, right. And then you get a bit more tired. So it would take me about a week to recover, and I would go in and then give blood again. Luckily, I was strong enough to give blood every week because mm-hmm. my doctor, my general uh, GP said, Maybe you could do it every two weeks, but then it would have put the de-ironing phase over over a year period, and I really wanted to get it to get it done as quick as possible. Sure. So I I worked through it. Ray, you're the guy with the medical background. I, I, what I suppose a lot of people are going is if it is required of people with hemochromatosis to give blood, that is actually a therapy. You need to yeah. give blood. Yeah. So at, at what risk? is the blood system because people who are uh, who carry this chronic condition 
are giving blood on a regular basis, uh, I, I assume it's all uh, quite uh, agreeable with the system, but it would cause some people to go, really? If I could just um, kind of elaborate a little bit on what Christopher said, but the, the uh, process is called uh, de-ironing. And uh, in my case, it was a little a little different. Um, um, I started to um, have blood uh, taken off every uh, two weeks, and uh, then with the subsequent measurements, and as the uh, um, iron levels were coming down, then we were able to uh, make the interval uh, a month okay. in between bloodletting. So uh, I I find that kind of not not too stressful, but uh, obviously it means you spend. Uh, time in the hospital in an hour or two hours uh, every every, um, every time the um, in the de-ironing phase the, the blood is actually thrown away oh is that right yeah. I, I, okay I, I don't know the um, the reason why but the um, good thing is that the canadian blood services um, have uh, recently uh, changed their their thinking and uh, nowadays they will accept uh, iron or they will accept uh, donations from uh, patients who are de-ironed so uh, it, it works in my favor that i get a chance to uh, have a treatment uh, every, and and every to perform months. a public service and, in the process. And somebody else is, is getting the benefit of that blood. So, so the, blood, the blood itself, there's just no irregularities in the no. blood. The hemochromatosis no. is about iron in yeah. your body, yeah. not your blood. No. Interesting. Chris, how regularly do you have to uh, perform this donation? When I first finished the de-ironing phase and went into maintenance, it was about every three months. Okay. So a little bit longer than the Canadian um, blood services time limit so i would extend it there and now i've moved it over just through diet and health and exercise to about four or five months so but that it it varies i check my blood every month and monitor my my ferritin levels so it could could change i have some degree of familiarity with chronic diseases and genetic ones cystic fibrosis is in my family and it's i've lost a few um very close family members in very, very young years of their lives. Uh, over, the, But I also learned that in the case of CF, it skips a generation every now and then. Is it the same with hemochromatosis, Ray, or is it immediate one to the next, to the next, to the next? There's no skipping involved. No, um, as I said, the, the um, uh, it might appear to skip uh, a, a generation if, if uh, you are, um, well, let me see how to put it. Um, it it's a, a kind of a, a, a coin toss. Um, you inherit um, a gene from each parent. Uh, so if, if um, the, the parent has got a defective gene um, and the other parent has got a defective gene, you still have a one in four chance that you will get the, the healthy gene okay. from, from both parents. Mm-hmm. So in that case, it, it would skip a... Uh, skip a generation but my uh, brother or sister may be the unlucky one who uh, gets the bad and the bad ah. so um, so now if, if it is incurable in the sense that there's no surgical or pharmaceutical remedy what uh, uh, in addition to giving blood do you have to do gentlemen in, in to keep the quality of life at exactly where you want it to be Chris what, what do you have to do uh, besides of course give blood on the on the basis that now works for you uh, to keep the all the other levels where they should be but what about diet exercise is there do you are you on a medication regime as well um, no no medication for for the condition okay and um, there there's certain factors though that makes your body um, absorb iron and reject iron. So if you drink tea or coffee with a meal, 
you will not absorb as much iron. But if you drink orange juice or red wine vitamin with C. vitamin C, your body will absorb iron faster. Oh, so really? people with anemia should drink vitamin C with meals and things to absorb more iron. Right. So the only mistake I made is I completely took vitamin C out of my diet. Okay. And then I started running into problems from not having enough vitamin C in my diet. So I had to reintroduce that. It's a little late that. in history to be dealing with scurvy issues <laughs> now, isn't it? But nonetheless, that's, uh, that's yeah. where it leads, right? Exactly. So now when I take vitamin C, I just don't take it with an iron protein. I just take it on its own and my body's feeling better now. And uh, d besides uh, dietary uh, monitors and uh, and uh, indicators that you have to follow, I would imagine, Ray, that uh, a certain amount of exercise and keeping yourself in reasonably trim shape is also part of the package. Um, one of the, one of the um, things about jogging is that when you jog, the pressure of your foot um, that uh, breaks down uh, red cells, really, uh, which which in, in a way would be getting rid of of um, uh, some of the red cells, but that, that would be very very small uh, amounts of, of uh, iron. Um, when you perspire, uh, there's a small amount of iron, so there are are some ways the body can can get rid of iron, but uh, the, the best way of all is to is to actually bleed. Um, if I could just elaborate on, on um, Christopher's point, um, when, when I was first diagnosed and, and uh, you, you begin to think of iron as a poison, mm -hmm. so uh, we uh, got rid of our uh, cookware, stainless steel oh, cookware. Right, of course, yeah. Um, we filtered our water to… Cast get, iron get, skillet, get, out yeah. she goes, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and we became more conscious of uh, how much iron is in food. Um, so if, if, if you think in terms of um, um, fish is a one, um, pork is a two, uh, sorry, chicken is a two, pork is a three, and beef is, is a four. Uh, one of my favorite foods is mussels, so shellfish, they're up there like eight times. Oh, really? Yeah, more, more iron. So um, I tried to... Um, give up some of those foods but then I, I, I kind of break down and realize okay so I'm just another blood session mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy the liver or I'll enjoy the um the the, uh, the the muscles. Well, of course, and it's all about moderation too. Is you don't do it every day, but every now and then, you know, you just it's a good seafood feast. Is a, on a weekend like this, you could see yourself yeah, enjoying. Sure. So sure. then you just back off for a few days and really right the boat yeah. uh, and and carry on. And, so and as, as Christopher said, also. Um, the, the, the tannin in, in uh, tea uh, has an effect on the absorption of iron. It slows it down. Um, calcium also um, slows it down. So if I'm having a hamburger, I'll, I'll make it a cheeseburger. Oh, okay. Interesting stuff. And, uh, oh, Chris is going, oh, okay. I'll, I'll remember to start adding that to my burgers. You got a barbecue coming up tonight all of a sudden, eh, Chris? Uh, but living with this condition, uh, I mean, it sounds quite dire. And I'm sure both of you, uh, when you were diagnosed, you, ha you, just, you must have thought, oh, my God, what, have, what does that mean? You have chromatosis, hemochromatosis, sir. Oh, man. But then you, you start doing the research and you start, once you figure out what you've got, what an enormous relief it must have been for both of you. All that fatigue, all that lack of energy, the depression, Chris, that comes from, that spins out of that physical poor uh, being. Uh, what an enormous relief it must have been. It was. It was, um, it took, it took almost a year, but I, 
and it's gradual. It's gradual. It comes on gradual, and but when it goes away, it goes away gradual too. It's not you just wake up. But I a year later, I was I couldn't believe how I felt, the energy I had, the just how how much better I felt overall, and that was um, the best part. And now I never want to go back. So that's the the other thing. So I have to keep up with it. To, stay feeling good and i suppose uh, you're you're uh, uh, we described you as a supporter and donor to the canadian hemochromatosis society and by maintaining a, a very active connection with the the group that keeps your spirits and your motivation uh, nice and high as well right oh yes yes and and ray how many members does the canadian hemochromatosis society have uh, I, I, lifetime members, I think we have um, 100, 200, some, something in, in, in that realm. Right. C- could I go back to, the, um, the, the, again, the, the, the point you raised, um, you, you raised earlier? Um, when I, I first realized what, what I had, my, my first fear was that um, already I had sustained uh, some organ damage. Mm-hmm. So I was really relieved when I, I um, discovered that, I, I um, didn't have uh, liver disease, so you you have to feel really uh, sorry for someone who's diagnosed uh, and it's too late. They already have cirrhosis. Um, many of the bad effects of the iron they are reversible. Okay. In that as you get rid of the iron through through the uh, bloodletting, the uh, condition uh, gets better. But the the one thing that is not reversible is the liver damage. Right. So okay. I, I was really thankful. I. I um, was diagnosed before my liver would have been damaged. Right, and if you would like to, if you're feeling experiencing any of the symptoms our guests have described on the program today, and you're just not quite sure what's going on, and you'd like to learn more about this hemochromatosis situation, go to the website of the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society. It is very simple to remember. It's too much iron, all one word, too much iron.ca. Christopher Firstner and Ray Fines, thank you both so much for coming in today and joining us on uh, Vancouver Consumer and elevating the awareness of Metro Vancouver residents during May Awareness Month for hemochromatosis in Canada. We appreciate your time very much today. Thank you. Thank you. And once again, thanks to Christopher Firstner and Ray Fines from the Canadian Hemochromatosis Society for a very informative visit. Time now for the Steel Report. And today, Linda looks at how to save money on your next flight. I'm Linda Steele, and this is your Steel Report. Looking to save a few bucks on your next flight? Maybe consider changing the location on your internet browser. Resgo CEO Stephen Joyce says it can make a big difference. Well, if you if you change the location on your on your laptop to another country like Japan or whatever, and you can do that in the browser, it will quite often give you different rates because um, it'll localize the rates for you and you can get a better deal. The device you're purchasing the tickets on could influence the price. For example, Apple users get priced higher than PC users, while those with an Android receive a better deal than people with an iPhone. They've been very good at being able to drive specific pricing based on the device and the location that you're in. While online shopping for flight tickets may be convenient, you need to watch out for price control. You may want to also know the majority of providers are under the umbrella of a couple major companies. So a company like Expedia, for example, that owns Expedia.com, that owns Orbitz, that owns Travelocity, that owns Trivago, Hotels.com, all of these brands, if you're on their comparison shopping 
We were actually just comparison shopping against the same company. The next time you take a plane to your dream destination, it may be wiser to go to a reputable travel agent instead. I'm Linda Steele, and that's your Steele Report. Thank you, Linda. Steele and Drex, weekday afternoons 2 to 6 here on News Talk 980 CKNW. A couple more consumer quickies before we go. Stats can released March retail numbers this week, and B.C. had the biggest increase in Canada. Sales here were up 8.9% from a year ago, while the national average was 6.9%. The reason for the buoyant numbers in our province? Momentum, says BMO big guy Doug Porter. Anything related to the consumer has underlying solid momentum. Items that keep us BC shoppers busiest include new cars, electronics and appliances, and those general merchandise stores. Year over year, retail sales rather here in BC were worth $6.8 billion. Well, this week, who doesn't know about this by now? The Pemberton Music Festival, scheduled for mid-July this summer, has been canceled, and its organizers have filed for bankruptcy. If you already have tickets to see Chance the Rapper, Muse, A Tribe Called Quest, or any of the other acts, as many have, to the tune of many hundreds of dollars each, and are hoping for a refund, here's what to expect. There will be no automatic refunds. You will have to file a proof of claim form with the trustee firm of Ernst & Young, which will then take weeks to determine eligibility for refunds, which may end up being pennies on the dollar. If you paid by credit card, check with your company for its policy on refunds because they vary. If you paid in installments, cancel the remaining ones immediately. Beyond declaring themselves to be heartbroken... The festival organizers have been, well, mostly silent. So far, documents show they owe $2.5 million U.S. to creditors. You also have to feel for a lot of small businesses who made big investments based on expected crowds and sales, the other losers in this fiasco besides ticket holders. And finally, another moment where something snapped and everything went wrong, this time for a Pizza Hut worker near Atlanta. The suspect was apparently critiquing a co-worker for her method of putting toppings on pizzas, ending the critique with something like, you need to go home or get fired. The co-worker rightly pointed out that he wasn't the manager, and, well, things deteriorated quickly into personal insults and yelling. The real manager did show up and told the pushy worker to go home, which he did. Problem is, he didn't stay home. He came back to the Pizza Hut and picked up the fight with his co-worker right where he left off. But this time, in front of the manager and other employees, he pulled out pepper spray and shot it into the co-worker's face. He then wrote an address on a napkin and told everyone that's where he'll be if they want to fight some more. And he left. Well, when the cops tried to contact him, they were told his number was blocked and don't call again. The guy is amazingly still on the loose, perhaps because instead of trying to contact him, the police could have just gone to the address he wrote down on that napkin. Oh, they will catch up to him. And somehow, I don't think he's going to get his old job back. Vancouver's News. Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.